Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet robe. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Ms. Brenda K. Starr. Hi, David. What is going on? What is it? I am like literally excited to have this Zoom with you. I'm on my way to a meeting and excited about my whole new single, my new Latin album, my first English record in about maybe 15 years. So I'm just trying to do everything to be prepared for this upcoming record. So I've been a little bit crazy. We have so much to talk about. Um, this is, must be a new trend here behind the Velvet Rope because you are literally like the third person this week that I've spoken to who is in their car. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just thinking there's a new trend going on here. I literally was going to stay home and make my meeting for later, but it would have just screwed up my whole day. And I really wanted to have the interview with you. I mean, behind the Velvet Rope, it was just so amazing. I've, I've watched your interviews and I think you're phenomenal. And I didn't want to miss the interview, let alone I did not want to lose this opportunity. So thank you so much. I'm sorry I'm in my car, but I will be out soon, I promise. You do not have to be sorry. I mean, I just worry for people. I'm like, just don't get in an accident while we're talking. That's all I ask. Because then I'll no. feel really guilty. Don't, don't worry. I, I'm actually, I have my own pilot driving. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now. Not, I'm paying attention to the road. I'm on a back road. I live in the country. So it's almost like it's all just trees and it's very rural. So it's not heavy traffic, which is great. Are you in New Jersey? Because I'm in New York City. Yeah, I'm in Jersey. I'm like in South, South Jersey. Okay. So, I used so- to live in New York. I, I figured you were in South Jersey, like near like Princeton and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I'm more towards like the Jersey Shore area. I'm on the water. That's, nice. that's where I am. I used to live in um, Boulevard East in North Bergen for many years. Then I bought a property out where we're, there was only trees in Jackson, New Jersey. Raised my kids there. And then I eventually moved down to the water. And uh, I'm there now. And I have a place in Florida as well. That's nice. Yeah, I love it. I love Florida more than I love Jersey. 
Well, between the two of them, how have you been doing? Because, you know, you're so used to touring all the time. You love playing live and being on the road. Like, how are you doing in this pandemic? I mean, it's definitely taken a really big toll on artists, especially with our concert venues. We've had to cancel so many concerts. And um, the only thing that's really kept me alive is the lives going on and connecting with my fans. And I've literally um, invented different ideas to just stay connected. I created my um, Brenda K. Star Christmas Spectacular and I took my whole family and we all went to the studio and recorded uh, Christmas songs and did a whole Christmas special. And we were able to connect with the fans on the holiday season. And uh, I've done a lot of lives on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I just opened. And I've been able to just really stay connected with my fans and give free concerts. So like that, they don't lose the, uh, the momentum of the music and us losing connection with each other. But, you know, it was tough. But the only good part about the pandemic was a better time for me to really spend quality time with my kids, my grandkids, my husband. That was the the upside the downside was losing the concerts and being distant from the fans you're so current though brenda i mean tiktok that's like i i don't i i can't get into tiktok you're gonna have to teach me oh darling if i tell you i just literally learned about my assistant um was working with me on getting everything in order and um i I, I was showed how to how to become part of TikTok. So I said, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. And I learned how to upload videos. If I tell you, I didn't realize how crazy the TikTok um, vibe is. It's like I have on one video 307,000 views. I have another one 130,000, 80,000. And I didn't even realize in like a matter of a week, I got like 27,000 followers. And I was pretty surprised only because I'm not new to it. And a lot of the people that watch it are like, oh my God, where have you been? And because it's all over, it's all over the world. It's not just to get accepted through Instagram and Facebook with TikTok, everybody can see you. People really even thought that I kind of retired, and I'm like, no, I've been doing music since I'm 15. But uh, it's pretty cool. And there's probably a whole new group of people that you know didn't really know you from before, just for the sheer fact of how old they are. So funny because a lot of people are like, oh my god, Mariah Carey sings that song because I sang "I Still Believe" on my TikTok, and I'm like, no, darling. And then they're like oh my God, my mom just told me you are the original singer. And I'm like, yes, I am. But a lot of the younger kids that are Mariah fans from like, you know, learning about the the the, the, the new Mariah stuff. And it, I would get a lot of messages from the fans saying, oh my God, I didn't know you were the original singer of I Still Believe. And now I know the history. And I'm like, yeah, uh, a lot of people didn't know that. Okay, so I just want to clarify. So... You are on TikTok and you are singing and now you are hearing from all these kids and they're telling you, oh my God, we're so excited that you're covering Mariah. Is that what's yeah. happening? Yeah, they were like, oh my God, that's so cool. You're singing the Mariah Carey song. And I'm like, 
And no, that actually was originally done by me. But it's funny because a fan that already knew of me and a couple of fans, well, a majority of the fans are like, are you crazy? Brenda K-Star is the original. She's the one who discovered her. And I guess the young girl was like, oh my God, I never knew. And I'm like, you got to get the book because you'll know what Mariah's memoir is about. And she mentions about paying homage to me and covering the song, I Still Believe. So for me, it was pretty cool because they were learning more about me by clicking on my page and saying, wow, who's this artist singing uh, Mariah Carey's song? When meanwhile, I was the original singer and the kid was the lady or the young girl was just like, oh my God, I never knew, but that's so cool. I'm so going to follow you. I'm a fan. And after that, the girl's been following me since. Do your fans like, you know, come strong and hard for someone like that? I do have a couple of fans that really get outraged when people say stupid and mean things, but what can you do? You can't choose other people's words. Um, Well, you're doing a good job. Speaking of this long career of yours, so did you start with Harry Belafonte? Is that really how you got discovered as Um, I've read out there? Um, I did. I mean, I literally used to be in a, a, a show called, it was an off-Broadway show called the First Law Children's Theater. And it was the Nani Saperstein show. It was an off-Broadway show. It was me, Tashina Arnold, um, uh, uh, K- K- Cardian Hardison. I forgot his name. Cardine Hardison. Anyway, long story short, I did Broadway and off-Broadway. And then I really wanted to do records, but I used to be in a breakdance group. And I heard about a big breakdance uh, competition that was going to be held at Roxy's. And it was for a movie called Beat Street. And they were looking for breakdancers. But at that time, I wasn't such a great breakdancer, but I knew how to pop lock. You know, when you move your arms and kind of like move into it. Yeah. And I said, I don't want to be spinning on the floor and breaking a leg, but I don't mind doing the pop locking and stuff. So then I end up learning how to dance uh, better than what I did prior. And I worked with the breakdance crew. And then I had written a song for the soundtrack of the movie. And I said, listen, if I can get in the movie with writing a song on the soundtrack, this was my goal. I was only 14. And I says, 14 going to be 15. And I says, I'm going to see if I can write on the movie, a song for the movie. Uh, I end up going to the Beach Street audition. Harry Belafonte came in. I approached him. I said, listen, I'd love to sing in your movie soundtrack. I wrote a song. And he was pretty preoccupied. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a movie with Eyewitness News. I'm, I'm meeting with them. They're going to interview me, but I'm done. I'm going to come down and I'll talk to you. I was like, okay. So we had already did the audition. Everybody left. And they made an announcement. Whoever is not part of the cleaning crew has to leave. So me and my little wife's thinking, I said, well, I volunteered to help clean, so I'm going to stay behind. They were like, okay, so you need to pick up all the cups, et cetera. So I'm walking around, and then some really tall um, guy walks in, and his name was David Pickett. And um, he just looked like somebody. So while I was picking up the cups, I just started singing, I found love on a two-way street, lost it on a lonely highway. And I was really, really young, and I was just belting it out. And the guy was like, who is that? And I was like, that's me. He's like, you got a good voice, kid. And I was like, thank you. I was like, I'm waiting for Mr. Belafonte. 
because I'm going to see if I could sing in his movie soundtrack. He's like, okay. Like, he kind of giggled, like, thought, like, okay, yeah, cool. So he left, went upstairs. He happened to work with Mr. Belafonte, and I think they were partners on the movie. When Harry came down, I'm like, Mr. Belafonte, hi. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's the girl that I said was singing. He's like, let me hear you. So I started to sing again. He said, take her number and give her Arthur Baker's number and set something up so they can meet. And Arthur Baker happened to be the producer of the soundtrack of the movie. I ended up meeting with Arthur Baker. I auditioned for Arthur and the rest was history. Arthur started working with me on a production deal. And uh, in the interim of the big break dance contest, there's a part where the news was covering all the crews that were dancing. And I had taken the the song from Planet Patrol. Doom, 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 doom. So I did, hey, you, yeah, I'm talking to you. So I was on the news and another guy saw me. His name was Nelson Cruz. And they know him by Nelson Fast Forward Cruz. I had already had the initial introduction to Arthur Baker, but Nelson came looking for me three or four nights later at Roxy's Roller Rink, which was 1018 as well at the time. And he's like, I'm looking for Brenda Starr. And they're like, oh, she's over there with, her, with the girls, the dynamic dolls. So he came up to me and it was a little loud. He's like, are you Brenda? I was like, yeah. He's like, listen, I need your number. And I'm like, why? He's like, I'm gonna get you a record deal. I saw you on the news the other night. You got a great voice. And I was like, um, I kind of thought it was weird because he was an older guy and I was younger. And I was like, well, why don't you just give me your number? So I took his number and I called him with my aunt and he set up a meeting and I went to Mirage Records and Mirage offered me a contract and Arthur Baker and Jerry Greenberg worked it out. So I was taken out of the production deal and I was signed directly to Mirage Records distributed by Atlantic Records. And that's where it really all took off. Beat Street was a head start. But when I got the deal with Mirage Records is when I started making albums. And was it always music for you? Or did you say like, hey, this Beat Street thing is pretty cool. Like maybe I want to be in movies. Maybe I'll be a dancer. Or it was always music. Um, it's always been acting and music because I did my first film when I was nine years old. I did a movie with John G. Adelson, who was the producer of... Um, the movie Rocky and uh, Sylvester Stallone was in it and Paul Trevino was in a movie which I played in a movie called Slow Dancing in the Big City with John G. Avelson and Vera Grant and um, I was acting but I always loved singing so that's why I still had the acting and singing bug I did commercials but my first love has always been music and that's why I wanted to pursue it because I was a huge fan of Donna Summers Barbara Streisand Luther Vandross uh, I was a huge fan of Lou Ross, uh, you name it. I, I, I could tell you like uh, Barry Manilow. I would listen to everybody and just stare in the mirror with a brush like it was my microphone. And I just said to my mom, I want to be a singer. And my dad, I don't know if you know, was Harvey K from The Spiral Staircase. And he does that song, I love you more today than uh -huh. yesterday. Okay. Are you guys as confused about me regarding all the contradictory information out there about how to eat healthy? Just cut out carbs and that's healthy eating. Reduce your salt, that's healthy eating. Don't eat after 6 p.m., that's healthy eating. Well, what if I go to bed at 4 a.m.? Am I still not supposed to eat after 6 p.m.? So confusing. Enter Noom. Noom makes sense because it is based in psychology. It teaches you what to eat 
and how to eat it to accomplish your personal health goals. They look long-term. It's not about that one thing you just ate now. It's about long-term and changing your eating habits. And that is why for me, Noom worked. When I started using Noom, my goal was to eat better, to feel better, to understand my cravings, to have more energy, fit it in with some exercise, and really just reduce the stress in my life. And Noom accomplished all of that. What I love is it teaches you about eating. It doesn't just say eat this and eat that. It takes 10 minutes a day. It's so easy to use. You log your food. It's nice to see the progress. You log your food and see the progress as you chart it. And it really works with my lifestyle because I'm so freaking busy. It's not like a rigorous plan. It just changes my habits overall. It's based in psychology. It makes complete sense. And here's the thing. They're a very forgiving program. So if you cheat today, we can't turn the clock back. It's okay. These guys are great to deal with. And they're so much fun to deal with. And it has really changed how I eat. Now, here's the deal. Noom, N-O-O-M. Sign up for your trial today at Noom with an M dot com slash velvet. Yes, you can sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M as in Mary dot com slash velvet. Trust me, there's a science to getting healthier. It's called Noom. I feel better. I have more energy and I see the results. And I just, this is a lifestyle change. Noom.com slash velvet. Sign up for your trial today. So he had traveled so much and um, I didn't see him as much as I wanted to, but I love the fact that he was always on stage. And for me, that was something that I always had in my heart that I wanted to do. So I just worked so very young um, from the tender age of like, 14, 15, and said, I'm going to get a record deal. I'm going to do this. And I just really stayed focused and diligent with my craft. I always worked on my voice. And that's how it really just started. Wow. And then your second album included I Still Believe, which, you know, was your biggest hit to date. Did that change everything? Like once that song came out? I mean, it did. I, I, I think it changed in the perspective of that I started to um, gain such a huge fan base, not only in the U.S., but overseas. I was able to go to England. I was able to, to, to visit different states and countries. I was able to also have my mom stop working. She was a single mom. My mom and dad divorced when I was about a year and a half old. And um, I was able to put my sister and brother through college. I bought my mom her first house. So I was able to learn the responsibility of money. And, and it, it really took me from a place where we weren't super wealthy, but my mom worked three and four jobs to make sure we were good. And um, it changed my life only because I did what I loved and I was able to be, you know, effective in my family and helpful knowing that my mom from cleaning houses to working to in an emergency room, my mother also used to run illegal numbers back in the day and she would do anything just to take care of us. And, you know, it didn't bother her pride, even cleaning bathrooms as a cleaning lady. And as soon as I started making money, I just told my mom, I, I don't want you to work anymore. You're going to go on the road with me. And uh, every show I had, I had my manager book an extra ticket for my mom. And my mom was my momager. So she just went on the road with me. And right then and there is when she taught me about saving my money 
being really smart with investing it because my mom came from nothing. So it wasn't like she was getting an inheritance from her dad because her dad passed away and her mom and dad separated when she was young. So she didn't meet her mom until she was in her late thirties because she was taken from her mom when she was very young. Wow. So So you didn't, you didn't have any, I mean, you know, you were young, you go from not being totally wealthy to making, you know, a lot, like you never had any of those like, no, no, I never had that kind of money. I remember my brother working really hard side jobs. My older brother, he was like a father figure. He passed away. His name was Freddie. And, um, he would pay for my singing lessons when my mom couldn't pay. He would pay. She would pay for my stage outfits when she couldn't afford it. He would get me a cool outfit, but I wouldn't get an outfit at some little rinky dink shop. My brother would go to Barney's. My brother would go to Saks. He would buy me fierce outfits because he said, no matter what, if you're going to go up there, you're going to look the best. And I remember I did a show with Madonna one time in, uh, in uh, 1018's Roxy's uh, in New York City. And I remember the dress my brother bought me like it was yesterday. It was a beautiful purple tight fitted dress. I wore heels. I was only 15 and my hair was done. And I remember one of Madonna's dancers telling me, oh my God, girl, that dress is everything. And I was like so happy because I didn't have all the money. And with my brother doing that, he just wanted to make sure I always looked the best. So, you know, we worked hard, but, you know, it worked out, thank God. When did you first meet Madonna? Um, I met her at Roxy's in New York City many years ago. And then a couple of times I saw her at the Fun House back in the day when Jelly Bean was there. DJ Little Louie Vega used to DJ. Um, a lot of times we ran into each other, you know, it was nothing like a hangout type of thing. But we've worked together on several, you know, several occasions. And, um, I, you know, I, I really loved her work ethics. And I, I still to date think she's super talented. She actually had a child, um, Lourdes with one of my friend Carlos, he was my neighbor and we grew up together. We were very good friends. So that was just really ironic, but yeah, I, I met her many years ago. Okay, let's take a minute. There's so much in this, this one sentence. <laughs> just give me a minute here, Brenda. You've got me off track because this is not where I thought this was going. Okay, so back when you were 15, at, I mean, you're 54 now, so Madonna's like 63-ish. What, like what you were doing, just like a one-off show at the Roxy? Like, I mean, I know how it was back then, like Dan Terry and everything. No, it was just a regular booking. Our agent booked us. I used to be with um, John and Jerry Aid out of New York City. And uh, they booked us. And here and there, like they do nowadays, when you make a booking, you show up to the show. And each artist works off of a DAT, a track. We used to have the reel-to-reels back in the day. And um, we did a show together, a couple of shows, actually. Could you tell, like, even back then, you know, because Madonna's known for her, like, you know, just like you said, like, work ethic. Like, could you tell, like, this girl is... I I knew she was going to be a superstar only because I saw how much work ethics she put into her show down to the dancers down to the imagery down to the music and i I admired that i admire that for me i felt like i thought madonna had a really great voice and i still think she has a great voice her talent is you know limitless i love the fact that she's the type of artist that evolves and she still has her fans following her but um as a young girl i looked up to her and i was like if she could do it i could do it you know and i just kept pushing myself to do it so in a roundabout way, do we have Madonna to thank for Brenda K. Starr? I mean, she didn't, inspire, she didn't really inspire me. I thought she was great. She was talented. I knew she was going to make it. I think who you could thank is Donna Summer. 
Donna Summer was my number one artist growing up in my room, singing her songs, just the, the, the purity in her voice, the soul. I just love that about her. I love dance music, but I love R&B music. So I felt like it was a fusion of the both. So what really intrigued me was Donna Summer, but watching Madonna, I loved her worth ethics with the dancing and the way she put her whole show, show together, the imagery. That's what I loved about Madonna, but I think who really inspired me was Donna Summer as a young girl. It's like, so I have a list of like, you know, a couple of regrets of like, ah, oh, I wish I saw this person because I go to tons of concerts, never saw Donna Summer. And I live in New York, oh. I had so many chances, I know. Plenty of times, and I actually saw her right before she passed, and you would never be able to tell her voice didn't even skip a beat. The last time I saw her was when she was in Atlantic City right before she passed. I thought, I, I've always been a fan to date. I'm still a fan. I even have my daughter, my grandkids listen to her music. Our house is always filled with music, but I could definitely say that Donna Summer was a huge, huge inspiration. And Elton John and Barry Manilow, and I would definitely say Barbara Streisand. So after you have this, I still believe in, you know, you have your own career, like when you meet some of these people, like, is that like a pinch me moment? Like, did you ever meet Donna Summer or Elton or Barry or any of these people? No, I never met um, Donna Summer, but I did meet uh, Barbara Streisand. I was actually at Mariah's wedding and we were at the same table. It was me, Barbara Streisand, Gloria Estefan, her husband, Emilio. And um, that was pretty exciting. Um, I never met Elton John. I would have loved to meet Elton John. I hope one day I still get to meet him. But um, no, I, I, I didn't get to meet her. I wish I did. So what do you say when you're sitting there eating the chicken and having your wine at Mariah's wedding to Barbara Streisand when you're at the same table? I'm telling my friend on the other end, sneak a picture with your portable camera. <laughs> But I knew, I knew Emilio and Gloria Estefan that we've always, you know, done shows together for Miami Sound Machine. She's always been so sweet. Emilio's always been so nice to me. I'm actually on Sony Discos overseas with my Latin music. I'm signed to that record label. And um, she's always been so sweet. But I thought Barbara Streisand was just very, like, standoffish. She's very quiet. But I mean, listen, when you're out and as an artist, you really want your time to enjoy your free time. So for me, I was always taught as an artist and as someone growing up in the music industry, it's really not nice when someone's having supper or you're, you know, they're out, you know, anywhere in the public, outside, you know, you can ask for a picture, but there's a time and a place. So for me, I wasn't groupie-ish, but when I did leave, I just went up to her and I just, I told her I'm super, um, I'm super fan of yours and I love your work. And she was like, thank you so much. Very kind of you. And, you know, that was just a nice experience. And uh, I, I didn't get a picture with her, but yeah, I got to meet her. Were you dying to ask for a picture though? Yes, because now I could have put that picture in my office with all my, you know, my, my wall of like my memorabilia wall. I got to meet Ashford from Ashford and Simpson and I took pictures with him and, um, just basically, I, I, I just, I was so young. So it's kind of hard when you want to ask them for their autograph. It's, it's just their free time. You really don't want to bother them. So with that being said, I didn't get an autograph or a picture. How was Barbara standoffish? She's just very quiet and, and like, you know, here I am at Mariah's wedding. And to be honest with you, it's a wedding. It's not the time nor the place to say, hey, can I have your autograph? And by the way, can you take a picture with me? It wasn't my moment. It was so with that being said, with that being, 
I didn't ask for a picture or anything because with that being said, it was Mariah's moment. So I thought it was best that I just left it alone. And then I told Mariah, I was like, I can't believe you put me at a table with Barbara Streisand, like my legend, she's amazing. And she was like, yes, darling. You know, but it, it was fun. It was a great experience. Do you think Mariah did that on purpose just because she knows, you know, you're a huge Barbara fan? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I was really surprised when she put me at the table. I thought I was going to be at the table with like the background singers or at the table with like the aunts and uncles. And when I got to the table and I was like, wait a minute, Barbara Streisand, Amelia Stefan. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting at the same time with Barbara Streisand. I was like having a fanning moment. But uh, with that being said, it, it was it was pretty nice. It was awesome. Well, that's, I mean, you know, a pretty good fangirl moment. Yeah. What about, you know, like when this song came out, you know, that was the 80s. So it was like, who, who were your contemporaries? Like, I mean, it was like Whitney and Madonna and Cindy Lauper uh, and Tina. Tiffany, Cindy Lauper, Tina Turner, Whitney Houston, Madonna. And, uh, and then following that, it ends up being, I mean, there were always a lot of freestyle groups like TKA, George Lamont, and a couple of other like uh, sweet sensation groups like that. But for me and Jody Watley, obviously, oh, yeah. Jody and Watley and I did a lot of shows together. But um, I, I was just, you know, I'm so young, you know, at that time. It's like you never would dream and like say, hey, when you go outside to play basketball with your friends or hang out or roller skate, you'd be like, oh, I was at dinner with uh, Barbara Streisand and Emilio Stefan last night at Mariah's wedding. So for me, that was incredible. But getting back to what you were saying, that was the era of Jody Whitney. But then after that is when I had Mariah doing background for me and I had already introduced her to Tommy and she was coming out with the vision of love record. And um, so she was pretty much my competitor because we were both on the same label, but that shortly ended because I ended up getting dropped by Tommy and losing my deal because the focus was entirely on Mariah. And I get it because, you know, yeah, I think you're good as your last hit. That's the only bad thing about this business. If someone comes in and the record exec or the the president of the company feels like, hey, I want to focus on this individual, they usually don't focus on the other artists and they kind of shelf them. And there's a lot of similarities between Mariah and I. A lot of people say we look alike. A lot of people say that a lot of our stuff sounds like. A lot of people say our hand motions when we sing. But there's a lot of similarities. And I remember Tommy telling me, listen, it's not that you're not amazing. It's just that I need to focus on Mariah. So I'm going to have to let you go and I'll help you get to another, you know, help you get into another company. Maybe you should focus on dance music. And I'm like, well, I'm not just a dance music artist. I'm a pop R&B artist. So being said, I end up leaving. I, I end up getting uh, dropped from the record label. And after Tommy dropped me is when I decided to just, you know, you know, put my big girl pants on and say, listen, I got to do what I got to do. And I just focused and prayed to God that, you know, he'd open a door for me as I opened doors for others. And that's when everything started happening again for me after. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. 
So, I mean, originally Mariah was your background singer. Where did you guys meet originally? Wait, I have another question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, listen, I love being the host of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, but bringing you guys five shows a week, tracking down the top Bravo celebrities to bring you new creative content every day, that causes me stress. It causes me anxiety. I'm not even going to get into the lack of sleep or lack of a relationship. So I needed somewhere to turn. And for me, I turned to BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp because it's professional counseling right from the comfort of your own home. What they do is they match you with a licensed therapist who is a professional that fits your needs and the things that you want to talk about. So you may not have the same issues as I do. They also deal with LGBTQIA issues anger, grief, trauma. If you are having relationship issues, if you're in a relationship, good for you. I'm not. They really deal with everything and everything you share is confidential. So I cannot stress how much, because of this job that I love so much, it has caused me some issues and BetterHelp really is a lifesaver. Right now, if you guys also want to start living a happier life, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash velvetrope. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvetrope. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Velvet Rope. And as a listener, you guys get 10% off your first month. Try it. I promise you, you are going to feel so much better once you talk to one of their licensed professional counselors. And listen, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. DM me. Let me know how it goes. This has been a lifesaver for me. Well, um, she came and had a audition at uh, in New York at Big Apple Studios. And um, when we had the audition, uh, I think her friend Tony recommended her. And uh, I forgot the other guy named Paul. Paul was the other guy who was a piano player. She showed up a couple, like maybe an hour and a half early for the audition. And she was sitting in the rating room. And I'm like, are you here for the audition? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, it's not so like five o'clock. She's like, I know, but I didn't want to be late. And I just love that when someone's really diligent about their work. And I'm like, what's your name? She's like, Mariah. So we met at the audition and then right out there we clicked. And then I gave her the idea of what I wanted in the background. She sang and I'm like, wow, she sounds really good. So we just ended up hiring or I just ended up hiring her with my managers. And then she started touring with me. And then we just started having like the sisterly love. Like she was my best friend. We would, I would stay at she would stay at my house. I wouldn't stay at her apartment because she lived with like five or six other roommates. She had like six cats and I I'm allergic to cats and not that I don't like cats, but I was like, you can stay at my house. And I noticed that her mom lived in long Island. And at one point I just kind of became really good friends with her. And uh, after that, I just realized how talented she was. And she just was telling me how she wasn't getting the break she deserved. And I ended up introducing her to Tommy Matola at a party that I was invited to. And I gave Tommy her, cassette because back in the day it was a walkman with the cassette player and i said this is my really good friend hook her up because she has an amazing voice and um 
I did get some backlash after from my manager. May he rest in peace. He's like, why would you do that? You're going to jeopardize your own career. But I'm so young and so naive, and I'm just the kind of person that I wanted to help someone. And I figured this was my calling. It was meant for me to meet her and meant for me to introduce him, her to him and make this happen. So um, I introduced Mariah to Tommy. She got the deal. We stayed the best of friends. They got engaged. And uh, the rest is history. Well, what would happen if Mariah was late to that audition to be your background singer? Well, I mean, even if she was late, the thing was, I, I noticed the talent from Jump. I know somebody who can sing. If you just give me a couple of notes via acapella and you can show me that you can hold your own, that's something really important for me because it takes an artist to be able to sing live to know if you got what it takes. Some people can perform in a studio, but when you're out of the studio, what can you do when you're live? So for me, hearing such an amazing voice, I was just like, wow, she's super talented. But for me, it was really hard also to make friends because I was in the business. So when me and Mariah became friends, I kind of felt like I met somebody who can really identify. We connected and I, I kind of, I really kind of loved her. Like she was my sister and, and I have so many of her fans that constantly backlash and say so many mean things to me. Like you're jealous, you're this, you're that. No one knows and no one will ever know the love that I'll always have for Mariah. And um, I think, I think a lot of people think they know a lot about our relationship but they really don't i i'm super excited and always been proud of the moment that i was able to create a moment in history with having mariah being one of the biggest selling artists in music history and i took part of that if it wasn't for me it would have never happened so for me i take pride in it there's not a a bone in my body jealous and i wish her nothing but the best and i always wished her nothing but the best and in this world of music there's room for all of us do you think then that's a big misconception? Because I think that totally. is the... Totally. I think it happened because I did a, and I'll put that out there, I did a Wendy Williams show one day. And I used to work for a radio station called 102.7 Fresh. And Mariah and I would talk all the time. And I was like, uh, Raya, she was going away to England. I know she was coming back. I said, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm doing Under the Stars with Brenda K. Star. I'm going to be doing, it's all love songs and some, you know, up-tempo songs. I want to play your stuff. I want to do an interview with you. She was like, absolutely, absolutely. So I was plugging it and plugging it and plugging it. And the night we were supposed to do the interview, she didn't call. And she was like, I was trying to reach her. I couldn't get her. And then long story short, the interview never happened. And she was like, well, you should have reached out to my assistant, Teresa. And I'm like, why do I have to reach out to her when I talk to you? So I was so mad at her. And like two people, and your friends, you have a, a misunderstanding. So I was like, you know, that's pretty screwed up. How could you do that? I was like, you know what? I don't even want to talk to you. Forget it. I'm done. You're so full of it. I'm like, don't forget where you came from. It was a big argument we have. We're friends. Friends always have misunderstandings. I can call you a pain in my ass. I can tell you you're an asshole. You're a jerk, whatever. I can say what I feel and get it off my chest. But we had this argument. And then she didn't call me for like maybe a couple of weeks. Didn't talk to me. Wendy Williams ended up calling me to go do her show. So I went to go do her show. And she's like, oh, how come you and Mariah don't talk no more? I says, oh, it's a long story. I don't even want to get into it. She goes, I know you've been doing radio. Wasn't she supposed to do your radio show? You know how Wendy always gets the dirt. So I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, how did that go? I said, she didn't show up. She goes, well, how dare her when she should owe you her whole career? La, 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 la. So it was kind of getting me in the moment where I was trapped. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I guess people sometimes 
forget where they come from. And I said that because I felt that way. And I was like, don't forget. My mother was told me, you don't shit where you eat. So for me, I kind of felt like, you know, why couldn't you do this interview? You knew that it would have been an awesome opportunity for me. I had already lost my deal with Sony, I at, with Epic. I was working on trying to get another deal. I was in radio. And then when Wendy said that, I was like, you know, she goes, well, how do you feel? Don't you think she owes you? I said, she doesn't owe me anything. I said, on the contrary, I'm happy for her. I'm just disappointed that she did that to me. She goes, is she still with Derek Jeter or is she with, uh, uh, what's his name? Luis Enrique. So Miguel, whatever. Luis, I don't even, Luis Enrique is the singer. So I turned around and I go, no, she's not with Luis. I think she, I said, she's, she was with Derek. And I said, I know she's crazy about him, but I don't know what's going on with that anymore. And then she was like, well, she owes you a phone call and she should be at your beck and call, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, whatever it is, what it is. I says, my friendship with her will never change, but I am disappointed in her. And I was being honest. Like, why the hell do I have to lie on a radio interview? Listen, if we're going to do an interview, I'm going to keep it real. So I got a phone call from her manager. How dare you? And uh, Benny Medina just went, went off on me. And I was like, listen, you don't know my history with Mariah. Don't call me and don't yell at me. If Mariah wants to talk to me, Mariah will call me. So... I don't know what he said to her or what he did, but our friendship then just kind of like was completely severed and we hadn't spoken to each other after that. But then eventually after her divorce with Tommy, we reconciled and we worked things out. And um, I ended up being on the Mariah Carey around the world tour where she did like a big episode with artists and she did a tribute me for, um, I still believe, but getting back to the, mis the misconception of the fans thinking that I'm jealous, I was never jealous. I was just more heartbroken that my best friend kind of let me down on one of the most important moments of my life. And that's what really made me sad. I didn't want anyone to think I was jealous, nor did I want Mariah to think I was jealous. I love her like a sister until date. I'll always love her. And I really miss the friendship we had because we had a really, really beautiful beautiful friendship and today I, I still love her and I'll always love her and remember her as being one of my closest, closest friends and not because she's Mariah Carey but because she was Raya because I used to call her Raya and um, you know, it's sad, you know, I just never really connected with anyone other in a way like that other than Mariah and I've always guarded my heart because it's always hard to find a true friend. I mean, did Wendy kind of cause this? I mean, it was fuel to the fire, but then it was wrong of me to say about her being in love with Derek and then the fact that she didn't do my show. But I guess it was the heat of the moment. And I guess I was just so air I was just so mad and it was wrong of me. So there was a lot of things that were wrong in my part, but then there were wrong parts on, on her part. But then I think Wendy kind of put fuel to the fire and then, but Wendy does what she does and that's why she's so successful. She finds a way to navigate, to get into you, to get those questions and answers. And I think because I'm so, I was so vulnerable and so young, I was like, yeah, she didn't show up and I'm so mad at her. How could she do that? It's like, I feel like if I helped her, why couldn't she look me out? And it wasn't about looking me out to be successful because I'm successful in my own way, you know, but it did make me sad because I kind of felt like if I didn't do that interview, uh, probably our friendship would have been the same and better. But then again, I think, also me, her manager at the time, Benny Medina, calling me, 
kind of like offset my day. And I totally went off on him. And I told him I didn't give a crap of what he said and don't tell me what to say, who to do an interview with. It's none of his effing business and to leave me alone. And then if Mariah wants to call me, she knows my number, she can call me. And Mariah didn't call me after that. But then she finally called me um, when she ended up doing some, when she had the divorce with Tommy and doing that whole show. But you know, it's a slew of things. But honestly, I, I don't, I will never, ever, ever regret what I did. I am so proud of what I did and I love her and I wish her nothing but the best. And you know, life goes on, life goes on. People grow apart, people grow together. And I think that she's just totally has a new circle of friends and it's okay. Do you regret going on the Wendy Williams show though? Yeah. I do. I do. Cause I think it kind of ruined our friendship. And I think because I was so mad that she didn't do my radio show. Um, when I did do the interview and we were talking about my new record and my new record was playing and Wendy was like, Oh, you got a new record. We were talking about my new music. And then she started to talk about the whole Mariah thing. And I was, she was like, do you talk to her anymore? And I'm like, no, she's like, why wasn't she supposed to do your radio show? And I'm like, yeah, but she never showed up. And then that's when the fuel became you know, part of the fire. And it kind of like, kind of severed our friendship somewhat. Well, I mean, that makes sense to regret it because Benny never would have called you and you never would have yelled at him if you weren't on the show. So. Right. But then again, but then again, I'm my own person, so I can do whatever I want. And by doing the show, it was to promote my new record. But in the interim of the show, did I know that she was going to ask me about uh, Mariah and doing my radio show? No, but I knew she was going to ask me like, oh, how do you feel being, you know, finding the biggest stars in the world today? Da, 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 da. I knew I was going to get that question because I get it all the time. But I didn't know she knew that she didn't show up to my show. Right, like how would she know that? I don't know. But I probably said it to someone who probably leaked it to her. She probably said it to me. And I said, yeah, she didn't show up. And that I had to go through her people. Because she did tell me, you needed to call Teresa. You can't just expect me to do an interview. And that's what kind of got through it off. But, you know, it is what it is. And like I said, I feel like we were young. And that was then. And now we're two mature, grown women with children. And we have so much in life to be happy for. So it is what it is. What about, like, when you were, you know, when you were first signed at the record company? Like, what was, like, what was Tommy like? We've heard so much about him. You know, um... I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I think the only reason why I gave Tommy Mariah's music was because I know of him. I know his caliber. He knew of me and I've seen him plenty of times at Arthur Baker's studio. And I wasn't even thinking about the relationship him and I had. I was thinking more about my friend, getting my friend through the door because my friend didn't have much of anything and I wanted to help her. And I felt that she was super talented and, and there's room for all of us and that's why I did it. And um, I think that I felt like Tommy was a very, um, he was a really dominating type of person. And, and I kind of felt like, in his presence, I just didn't feel like, like he was power in music, but I also felt like he can crush you if he wanted to. So for me, after leaving the label, I, I didn't even want to return to English music. And that's why I transitioned into Spanish because I just felt like he had 
way too much power in the music industry that he can just take that black ball and drop it on you. And I always felt like it was always difficult for me to get a record deal after that. And um, I figured that one day, whatever happens was meant to be and they end up getting divorced and we end up rekindling our friendship with everything going on in the world and all the technology around us i used to find it so hard to disconnect turn my mind off and relieve stress well not anymore unidragon's wooden puzzles have solved all of that they are the highest quality puzzles all the parts have their own unique shape They're not like your average puzzle. And in fact, they actually become collectible works of art. They're fabulous and memorable designs and images. They have animals too, tigers, wolves, pandas, unicorns, and so many others. These are not your average puzzle. Laser cutting is used so all the parts perfectly fit together and is such high quality. It's great for myself, but I've used it for so many gifts, for friends and family, Unit Dragon's puzzles have changed my life. So listen, you guys need to head over to unidragon.com and use my code VELVETROPES and you get 10% off your first purchase. That's right. Just by listening to this podcast, head on over to unidragon.com. That's unidragon.com. Use my code VELVETROPES and you get 10% off your first purchase. These puzzles are intellectual. They're high-end. They're stimulating. They've changed my life. And um, it was all because I called her mom. And I, I told her mom that I really wanted to talk to her and I missed her. And she ended up calling me. And after end up calling me, her and I reconciled. And uh, she was going through her divorce. And she was creating that Mariah Carey Around the World show. And it was me. And it was Brian McKnight on the show. And uh, we talked about her covering my song, I Still Believe, and me doing one of her songs, All Alone in Love. And then it just never really took place after that. So then after doing her special, I was just like, you know what? I just kind of like, I can't, I kind of, I'm so sorry that I get okay. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like, um... I don't know how to explain it. I wasn't thinking about the music end of it. I was thinking more of the friendship end of it because that's what really hurt me the most. But with Tommy, I just, I don't know. I just really didn't, I, I, I just didn't feel that sense of appreciation from him. I felt like he thinks he was entitled for me to do that. After I gave him her and he dropped me, he was just like, well, you're really, I got to focus on her. Too many similarities. I think you should just stay in the dance music vibe. And I was like, well, I'm not a dance artist. I have versatility in my music and I'm not going to give up. So when I left, I started doing music on my own and then ended up getting a, a publishing deal with Sony Music as a songwriter through Deirdre O'Hara and Marvin Cohen. And then I went to Cannes and Madame, and then I was picked up by a Latin label. And I literally, literally tooth and nail learned Spanish to the point that I was able to understand it, read it and write it. I wrote it phonetically. I got a record deal and I ended up getting a top 20 Latin hit and started putting out Latin albums and then got signed to another Latin label. And then that's when my career started to catapult all over again. And you taught yourself Spanish. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know any Spanish. My mother's Puerto Rican and my dad's Israeli. And uh, for me, I just started writing. My mother knows Spanish, so my mother would help me. And um, I would write everything out, phonetic spelling, and she would translate the song so I know what it was about, so I can feel every emotion and every core of the words that I sang. But 
I had to do it because it was impossible for me to get an English record deal. Was because you said Tommy like was like dropping a black ball or whatever you just said. Was it like scary? Yeah, I just felt like he was part of making it so difficult. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, listen, I've been blessed to say that I've still been able to put out great music and my fans still follow me. I mean, I sang something on TikTok the other day. I got 307,000 likes on it and about 42,000 comments or like, it's just, you know, so I know that what I'm doing is right because I have huge Latin albums. I've won two Latin billboards. I've got my Grammy. I'm right now just registered for the new Grammy um, Association coming up this year for the new album. And I'm just really working hard trying to get my music out there and continue doing what I love. So I don't really attribute the disconnection with Mariah and I because of, um, of anything other than one Tommy, I mean, not Tommy, I'm sorry, not Tommy, just to the fact that I kind of felt left down with that interview. But other than that, she was an amazing friend. Totally, totally, totally. We had the best time. Do you think like after Tommy dropped you and then like you couldn't get something it was because he blackballed you, so to speak? I think so. I think so. I think he had that power, but I don't think he has that power now. And if he does, it it hasn't stopped me because now with all this stuff coming out with social media and being able to put your own music on different, you know, internet and, 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 and digital platforms, I've been able to push my music the way I've wanted to. And I've been super successful. And to date, I'm still performing, obviously not because of COVID, but I still have big records. I just won two Latin billboards. I've had top 20 records and I am jumping back into the English music industry now because I think I'm ready and I miss it and my fans miss it. I want to talk a lot about your new music and about your Latin music. So I have a lot of questions about that. Well, that's, I mean, it's, you keep a positive attitude. Like, I mean, I don't know if someone was trying to like blackball me. Okay. Maybe you don't know for sure, but that's still, I don't know. I would be like, this is not okay. You're you're just happy. Like, how do you, I can't, I honestly was alive. I had two arms. I had two legs. I was breathing. I could see, I could hear. I still had a voice. I wasn't going to let anyone kill my dreams. And I came from nothing. And I think that's one of the major reasons why Mariah and I connected. We both had nothing. We both came from a poor family. And with that being said, I wasn't going to let this one man think that he can run the world and the whole music industry. And if that's the case at the time when the music industry being as powerful as it was when he was in the, in the music industry, in terms of the whole Casablanca records, the Sony, the Columbia, I, I, I figured they're not the only company and some way, somehow I'm going to keep my music out there. So I found a way to do it and I kept doing it. I just, For me, my mother always taught me, don't let anyone kill your dreams. You are the dream. You make it happen. Persistence is prevalence. If you give up, it's because you gave them the upper hand. If you don't give up, it's because you're fighting furiously to keep what's yours. And that's what I did. That's good life advice. What about when Mariah covered I Still Believe? I mean, that must have been... That uh, was amazing. Oh, no. I was... I was... Oh, my gosh. I was really, really happy. 
I mean, she sent me a message and then I called her and she's like, hey, I'm going to be doing the special and everything that you've done for me and you've always been there for me and you took me under your wing and I really want to do something special. And I'm like, what? She goes, I'm going to recut. I still believe. I'm like, no way. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, it's so awesome. I'm so, I'm so excited for you. So she's like, but I want you to be on a show that I'm doing. And um, she set everything up and the stylist met with me and um, I, I, I don't, I don't feel bad that she covered the song. I actually was happy. And I think it was amazing for me to have put such an impact on someone so talented and so well-known. So for me, it was, it was amazing. I was super happy and I was supposed to cover one of her songs, but unfortunately it didn't pan out the way it was supposed to. I was supposed to meet with Randy Davis at Randy Jackson, but um, it didn't pan out because I was already touring with the Spanish so I never got to cover her song. And then that's when I had the interview with Wendy. And then after that, our friendship kind of fizzled out. Do you think the media is just, you know, especially when it comes to women, this, like, let's create this narrative of, like, woman A versus woman B? I think it's more the fans. A lot of it is the fans. I think that the, a lot of the lambs are just... I see a lot of them to, to, to be very negative when they don't even know the story. Like, I still see Mariah put beautiful post up about me and in her book, how nicely she spoke about me. If I was to see Mariah in the street tomorrow, I think it would be nothing but a hug and a kiss. And I miss you, sis. And God, it's been so many years. Like, I'll always love her. And I genuinely mean that from the bottom of my heart. I have no not one jealous bone in my body. And I want everyone to know that and stop creating this narrative that we're enemies and that we're against each other. She's a beautiful person. I'm a beautiful person. I have a great heart. She has a great heart. Things happened. And um, sadly, friends have misunderstandings. And sometimes you grow apart. But that doesn't mean what you have in your heart for someone goes away for good. She's my older daughter's godmother. You know, and and for me, she'll always have a special place in my heart. And life is, well, life is long. And like, sometimes you just go through periods of not speaking to people. And that doesn't mean that you don't have love for them in your heart and that right. you will come back to them again. Right. right. When did you guys last speak? Like, how long has it been? I think like seven years ago, eight years, maybe almost nine years it's going to be. What about the book that you just mentioned? Did you? Um, just that, you know, how, how, how sweet I was and how, how much me and my mom did when she was sick and how uh, my mom would make her, I would tell my mom, make Mariah soup. M you know, Raya's not feeling well. She'd be in the studio all night and sleep most of the day. And I remember one time she was really sick. I bought her chicken soup. And I remember when she first started working for me, she wasn't making a lot of money. And I would pay her a little extra. I would buy her, like, I bought a pair of sneakers or a bathing suit one time. She wanted to get a bathing suit, but she didn't have enough money. And I was like, here, I'll buy it for you. Got her the bathing suit. Uh, she went to the party with me. She borrowed my clothes, but she couldn't borrow my sneakers, my heels, because her feet were too, were, were too big. So she wore her white Keds. And those were the ones that had the holes underneath. But um, I didn't know that till after. And, I, you know, just, you know, I don't, like, I think just... Things, like I said, happen for a reason. And I wish everybody would really get that bad 
you know, um, energy and, you know, persona about me that, you know, oh, we're enemies and we're rivalries. We're really not. I'm sure she wishes me nothing the best. Everything in her book was so positive about how much she loved me and how, you know, how special I was to her until date. I feel the same way. And I think that someone has come between us. I know back in the day it called, they call it gossiping. So People gossip so much until the day her and I meet face to face again is when we'll be able to bury the hatchet and create the friendship that we had and let it continue to be everlasting. Like for me, it's sad because I don't think we were able to uh, finalize the, 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 the bury the hatchet and, and, and move beyond it. And I wish we could have because not because of who she is, but because of what we had. And that's a sisterly love. She was my friend. She was my sister. And she's just someone that I could just really say genuinely when I first met her, before things got really big for her. I just felt a lot of people were in her head and I just didn't think she was in the right place or the right space at the right time. And she says it in her book. A lot of the times she was kind of like guarded and couldn't do anything. So for me, I think one day, God willing, we'll run into each other and everything will hopefully be buried and, and we can be friends again. And if not, I will take to my grave that I created and, you know, found the biggest talent in the whole world of, you know, the music history. Yeah. If you guys did run into each other, like what's the first thing you would say? Hi. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. Hi. How are you? You know, I don't know. I don't really don't know what I would say. I'd, I'd probably hug her. You know, she'd probably hug me. She knows that I love her. And if she doesn't, then she will one day. And if she doesn't, then it's okay. I did what I did because I love her. And she deserved to be where she's at. How did you decide to take your career in the direction of Latin music? Like, I mean, you, we talked about it a little bit, but like, was that a conscious decision? Or was it like, this is where I can reinvent myself or was it like, this is where the direction of my interest lies? Um, it was, I think it was a little bit of both. It was a conscious decision because I knew that the industry, the music labels in terms of the English was a little bit more difficult for me to kind of navigate through. So um, with being offered a Latin deal, I think it was something that was sent, you know, from up above and like, listen, you know, hook a crook, you got to get this done. If you want to sing and have your voice, your voice heard again, you need to find a way to reinvent yourself. So I noticed that there was only Mark Anthony out there at the time. And I think La India came out with a song with him at one point. And um, I said, you know what? If Celia Cruz can sing till she's 70, 80, 90 years old, you know, I know she's not 90, whatever, but I'm just saying I would try to do something different. And my mom always listened to Spanish music in the house. And when I was offered the Latin deal, my mom was like, take it. I'm like, but I'm not fluent in Spanish. She's like, that'll open a door for you and you can sing your Spanish. So I ended up doing I Still Believe bilingual in Spanish and salsa. So with that being said, I started getting calls again from now English labels wanting me to do English. So it kind of helped me reinvent myself, but it also took me away from the English so that I could take a breather and try something different. And I felt so passionate about it because at that point I wasn't working with reel-to-reels and dats. I was working with a band. And for me, I was doing arenas and big concerts and stadiums. And I just seen the love that my fans followed me all the way from the English to the Spanish. And then I end up getting two um 
Latin billboards. And I just realized that music is universal. And for me to be so diligent about my craft and knowing that I'm Latina, I said, okay, well, I'll sing in Spanish. And then after I sing in Spanish, I'll come back with my English. Cause you know, there's a will, there's a way. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the key, right? Like to never let, it's like, look, if you have to go from A to Z and you can't go in a straight line, just swerve left or swerve right. I say that all the time. Like I will get there. I will get to the end. However Mm -hmm. I get there, you can put the roadblocks in my way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. So, I mean, that's gotta be positive, right? Like that's gotta, when you look back at your career. I was just at the point that, you know, after I lost my deal, I was pregnant already with my second daughter. I was four months pregnant. And when I found out, I called Mariah. And long story short, to not stay on the Mariah situation, I knew I had two daughters that I had to take care of. I had already found out I was having a little girl at five months. And I said to myself, I got to keep working. I need to survive. So this was a form of survival. Either I sink or, you know, I stay above float. And what happened was I ended up getting this deal and it was really meant to be because now I have such a huge Latin following and I still have my English followers. So for me, I did do it as a form of survival, but I also did it as a form of not giving up my craft. Whether I sing in English or Spanish, I'm still gonna be doing what I love, which is singing. So as long as I could sing, that's what made me happy. Totally. And as you say, staying on the Mariah thing for a second, what about all the chatter of like, you know, Mariah's a diva and there's a lot of demands and pomp and circumstance. What do you think about all of that? Is that Uh, true? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not with her now in terms of, I don't know how her demeanor is. I know that she now uses my makeup artist, Anna Makeup Street. So Anna's was my makeup artist. Anna's now working with Mariah. Um, Listen, she's a very generous person. I can tell you that. She's very good to the people that work for her. But I don't know how she carries herself with them because I'm not there to say it. When she was with me, she was just as normal as I was, just as humble as I was. But we also have to remember she's in the eye of the public. We also have to remember that she's a totally different person from before. Like you have people doing things for you when you're growing up and you're not used to that and you have that. Hey, listen, I would love to have all the staff that she has. I have to get up and do all this by myself. And, you know, some people could be divas, but I can't call her a diva because I don't know her as a diva, you know? But I do know that she loves to be a perfectionist with from her makeup down to her photos, down to the angle. So people consider that a diva. I consider that someone just being conscientious of how they want to look in the photo and how they want to address themselves when they're out in the public. So people could call it being a diva. People could call it being a perfectionist, but what is a diva? I don't know the meaning of a diva. Maybe a diva could be someone who's maybe a, a biatch who thinks she's got it all and she don't need nobody and, you're to fall at their knees, beck and call. I don't remember her being that type of person. And since we haven't spoken in this long amount, period of time, I haven't seen that, but people may say it. So, but people gossip. So from what I know and how I know her, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't consider her a diva. I don't. People call me la diva de la salsa, which means the diva of salsa. So what are you going to perceive me as somebody who's like a very like, uh, do me a favor, go make me some tea. And can you please do me a favor? Can you cut my toenails? Oh, can you go do this? Can you do that? Like, I'm not a diva, but I'm no, labeled. You're not. No, but I'm labeled la diva de la salsa. So people consider her a diva. So it depends on what you think a diva is. But 
from what I know and what I see and the person that I, I had a relationship with, I would never say she's a diva. Do you think it's possible like not to change in this business if you achieve a certain level of global superstardom? Like this is just in general, like, is it possible? I mean, like yeah. you're, t- you're talking about, you know, you knew Madonna back when you were 15. I haven't, sh- I don't think Madonna has a diva. I, well, I don't know her to say that because I've never been around her by myself, hung out with her. I've hung out with Mariah. I've never dealt with that diva attitude. But like uh, me, I mean, I've, I've traveled all over the world. I've made great money. I still make great money. I still travel, except for now because the past year with COVID. But I, I, I'm grateful for the opportunities that I have. And I'm never going to look down on anyone because of the fact that they're working with me or for me. Because if it isn't for them and the team, we won't be one like we need each other so for me we're working together for the same common goal if i look great you got a job if you got a job it's because you're keeping me looking beautiful making me feel good you're a great vocal coach you're a great stylist you're a great mark makeup artist marketing team for me it's all about collaborating and being a team you can't go into this business saying okay i'm making millions of dollars and now i'm a diva and I don't want to drive myself. I don't want to do this. I'm not doing that interview. It's not worth it. It's not doing anything for my career. I'm already at top on top. For me, I think as an artist, we really need to realize that our fans are important. The interviews are important. The radio is important. Everything we need to be successful are tools. And it takes a really big, you know, a team. It's an entourage. You got makeup, hair, stylists, uh, interviews, uh, publicists. And I think, you know, if you change, that's because that's the person you are. But for me, I don't, I don't need to change because as easy as it is to climb up that ladder, it's very easy to go right back down it. So never forget where you come from. Like I mentioned earlier in interviews, my mom always told me, you never shit where you eat. So you work hard and don't forget where you come from because there's somebody out there waiting to take your you know, take the horse rein and and be in control of where you were and you can lose it all. So don't take it for granted. That's why I've never and will never ever consider myself a diva, but there are a lot of artists that do kind of take their clout for for, for granted. Yeah. What about growing up? What did you say when we first started you growing up with Carlos? Do you grew up next to Carlos Leon? Yeah, he actually lived on 90. If I lived on 91st, I lived on 91st. Oh, he lived on 91st. I lived on 91st Street. We lived between Amsterdam and Columbus and Manhattan. And then we used to always hang out in the plaza. There's a place next to my house. I lived in the projects. We used to go to Central Park. Uh, we all hung out together. But yeah, nice guy. He ended up turning, getting into acting. His mother was drop dead gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful Cuban woman. And um, yeah, very nice guy. But I, I've known him for many years. Do you still know him? Did you know him when he met Madonna? And oh, before he knew Madonna. We were like 12, 13, you know, kids. We grew up in the same neighborhood. Almost like when you grow up in a neighborhood where like you go out and go bike riding, you play handball, you play basketball, kick the can, Johnny ride the pony, stuff like that. Skelzies. We were those kind of friends. Jump rope. And was it ever like, uh, how is my 13 year old? I mean, I, I know you're in the business and you're around a lot of people, but still that's gotta be like my 12 year old friend is now like Lourdes's father. That's, I don't know. I'd be. 
he's, he's always been a nice guy and he's never changed and just super sweet, super kind. I see him when I see him, I go visit my mom in Manhattan. His mom still lives at the same place. My mom still lives in the same place. They'll never give up their roots. They love their apartment. I mean, where do you find, actually the building's going co-op that my mom lived in and it, we've lived in it all our lives. The building just got bought out and um, my mom has like, uh, you know, tiled floors, wood cabinets, washer dryer, very like condo version. His mom lives in the building down the block. So for, for, for us, we never forgot where we came from. And, and I appreciate my roots and I appreciate my harsh growing up in terms of not having everything when I wanted it. But when I needed it, I got it. So that was the most important thing. And we come from humble backgrounds. And I think that's the reason why we never really changed our demeanor because you can't forget who you are because just because you're given a gift doesn't mean that you're better than anyone. We all are equal and we'll all need each other one day or another. I think especially if COVID doesn't teach people that, I don't know what will. I mean, yeah. like on day one, if you didn't think like this is the great equalizer, like we're all at home now, doesn't matter how famous you are, your house might be bigger, but we're all in the same position. I mean, people haven't taken the past year to reflect upon that. I don't know what they're waiting for, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because we're fortunate enough to be here. Like I do, I'm right now talking to you. I'm in my gym because my daughter's downstairs. She's actually rehearsing for a show she has this weekend. And um, for me, people think, um, you know, oh God, with COVID, you know, you're going to be stuck up at home. You can't do anything. Listen, I'd rather be home safe than sorry. And I'm blessed to be able to have a gym. And I've lived in a small apartment, a big house, a medium house. I don't care where I live as long as I'm alive and healthy and with my children. And that's the most important thing. And I think this COVID thing has really affected everyone to realize how important our family is, our loved ones are, and how important it is to be diligent with rules. Because people People don't follow rules all the time. And that's the reason why this whole surge of COVID has just really went nuts because people don't care. And for us, it, 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 it's hard on people that work, uh, you know, and have to support a family. But I have to say that I'm blessed to know that when I bought my house, I bought my first house when I was, I bought my mom's first house when I was 16. And then I bought my own house when I was 19. I bought my house. I have so many people tell me, fans saying, oh, Mariah bought your house. I bought my own house. I had a hit record. I saved my money, my royalties. I bought my house in cash. And I've been able to financially build from what I bought. And then I end up just buying a house on the water. And um, I have my own gym. I have a beautiful home. And to spend COVID at home and know that I can work out and still be with my loved ones, you know, that's something important to me and know that I'm safe and I'm away from harm's way. But um, yeah, it's, it, this, this whole COVID thing has really affected so many artists and so many people as well. Is that something that fans say to you too, like a misconception, like, oh, Mariah gave you money or like, why doesn't she or, um, you know? All the time. I hear, oh, the house you live in, Mariah Carey bought you. No. I remember years ago, uh, this is my last comment about Mariah because I really want to focus on us. Yeah, um, but I have another question too. I, I, just one more after this. I say, um, before Mariah got signed and we were touring, I had a napkin in the hotel room. It was me, Morgan, and Vanity, the singer. Morgan is Mariah's brother. And um, Vanity is like, you have me at Vanity because I'm a huge Prince fan. So go on. 
And so we were in the hotel room and Morgan was hanging out with Vanity and Morgan met us in LA and we were hanging out in our hotel room and Vanity and Morgan had left and me and Mariah were hanging out. And I said, if I get you a record deal, girl, you were going to buy me my first house. Cause at that time I didn't have my first house. And she was like, I'm down. So I wrote a, I wrote it on a napkin. I'm Mariah Carey will buy you your first house if I get a record deal. And I was like, sign it. And she signed it. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was so funny. But um, I ended up leaving the hotel. And it was just fun. And I ripped it up and threw it out. And we were just giggling and having fun. We used to love to have our popcorn. And as we got older, we used to drink wine and throw popcorn out the window. So long story short, somebody heard that and said, oh, the house you live in, she brought you. So FYI, the house I live in, I bought me, I bought me, myself, my hard-earned money. No one's ever given me anything. Everything I've gotten is for my hard work and because I know what it is to have nothing. And I always promised myself that I would never be homeless because after having lost my record deal, I had two little girls, I had no money. And I remember saying, God, please, if I get money, please let me use it wisely. And I got a really big record advance. And then I started touring. And after that, I told my mom, I'm going to buy a house. My first house I bought, I paid it in cash. And then I sold that house and then bought another piece of property and paid it in cash, sold that house. And I just bought this house on the water and I have a house in Florida. That's good. And your house looks big. Your, your gym behind you looks nice and big. Yeah, it is. It's big. <laughs> And you never, like, during that time felt like, okay, I lost my record deal. Like, I have two kids. Like, you just said, like, you did. You figured it out all on your own. But you never felt like, you know, but for me taking a cassette, handing it to Tommy, you would not have a deal. So shouldn't you just give me some money? I mean, I, I know you wouldn't ask, but, like, it's still, like, but for you, this wouldn't exist. I, I, I didn't say that. I did say, um... I remember saying to her, I'm pregnant, and, and he dropped me. Like, what am I going to do? I, I have no money. I don't have a record deal. And I did remember her being like, you know, I, like, I can't get involved. And I was just so heartbroken when she said that. And I was like, you know, I was there for you, and here I am. I lost everything. And she's like, maybe just talk to him. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even calling him. And then that's when I stopped, like, our relationship. We did talk for a while. But after she ended up going through her divorce, she apologized to me. And that's where we rekindled our friendship. But I didn't ask her for any money. And I, and listen, I don't care what anybody says. I don't get any money, any Mariah money. I don't get points. I don't get finder's fees. I don't get signing bonuses. If that was the case, Tommy Matola should have gave me points. I would have been a millionaire. So I got zero. All I got out of it was a friendship that I can genuinely say it was amazing. And I'm sorry that it ended up, ended up being the way it did. And I know that it was a lot of people in her ear. And if you read her book, you'll see that she had a lot of people doing and talking for her. And um, it just really separated us. And then I think what, getting back to that, I, I, I didn't get any money. And I, 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 don't, I don't need any money. And hey, listen, if you're the artist and you decide, listen, I'm going to hit you off. I got a surprise for you. I promised you that house. Where do you want that house? Or what do you want? Let me give you something from my heart to you for what you did for me. And if it wasn't offered, then it's okay. It's okay because I have what I want. As long as I have a roof over my head, that's all that matters. But no, I didn't get a finder's fee. I didn't get points. 
I didn't get any money. I didn't get anything. So everybody who thinks that can forget about it and stop thinking that I'm jealous or that I have harsh feelings. I have nothing, nothing cruel nor bad to say. Everything I'm speaking is 100% real. There's no filter in this interview at all. I love that. And I I feel that. Listen, I interview so many people and I say this all the time. There are so many people I sit with and I, you know, I don't say it out loud. I say it to myself when I get off and I'm like, that's great. This will go out. But I'm like, I didn't believe a thing that person said. I believe you're, you're honest. I mean, like you're real. I I could tell. I don't think you're filtering at all. And I won't. (laughs) I just think that that is the misconception. What about, cause you say like people in her ear, like, who do you think like not blame, but who would you say do you think was in her ear the most that helped the demise of this friendship? Was it Tommy? It was. There were times when she used to be in her bathtub talking to me and she used to be like, I'm like, why are you whispering? She's like, Tommy's over there. And he's like, oh my God. And I used to be like, girl, why are you even with him? She's like, ugh. Like I could feel it. And I was like, you know what? It's like, we can't be friends because we were young. We're fun. He's old. And he was afraid of losing this beautiful young girl. And truth of the matter is he was more of a zoo, of of a keeper. I was going to say a zookeeper, but that's not the right way to put it. He was just very, very dominating. And I just feel like, um, I think he was the reason why our friendship really just like, went away and not because of the record deal but because of the fact that he chose who she could hang out with who she could be on the phone with when she could go out where she was what she was doing and i just felt so sorry sorry for her and and i knew that she was going through it and and i prayed that you know she'll find her way and she she ended up you know finding a way but no she did not buy my house no she did not give me money no tommy did not give me points no tommy did not give me a fine Everything I did was, like I said, from the kindness of my heart. And I, you know, I just, I just feel like, you know, you can't push somebody to reconcile a friendship with you. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But all I can say is I love her and I wish her the best. I don't wish any, any, anything bad on her. And I'm proud of her. I'm excited for the fact that I think she's getting married again, actually. She's engaged to um, Tanaka. I think they're getting married. I heard it. Yeah, third marriage. Interesting. What was I going to say? Well, no, I was going to say you, because you said Tommy, like even with Benny Medina involved, no, you say Tommy's the one in in her ear the most. Definitely, definitely Tommy. But, you know, I... (laughs) I mean, listen, Benny Medina, I had that one fallout with him, but I never spoke to him again. But I knew Benny before that because uh, it's a long story, but Benny Medina, no, not not Benny Medina. Maybe you'll get an invite to the Tanaka wedding. I highly doubt that. (laughs) What about, you know, because you've had so much success in the Latin music arena, what do you think about some other related type of like J-Lo, Shakira? Like, what are your thoughts on them as artists? 
Love J-Lo. I love her. I think she's an amazing, amazing entertainer, businesswoman. She's very classy. Um, I think her ability of her vocals are very well used. It doesn't matter how high you go with your voice. It's how you use it. And she's got a really great sounding voice. And I think that she deserves to be where she is because she's a hardworking woman with an amazing, amazing drive. And as for Shakira, love her work. I think she's phenomenal. And I, you know, I know J-Lo for many years as well. Very good friends. We danced at the same dance studio. We had the same choreographers. Very good friend of mine. My daughter was on American Idol. I hadn't seen her in years until the time of the audition for Idol. And it was almost like reconnecting with a childhood friend. So she never changed or skipped a beat when she saw me. It was like a hug. And I'm like, God, how's things? It's been so long. And, you know, I just look at the way she's raising her daughter right now and how her daughter loves music and acting. And then I look at how she looked at the way I admired my daughter and she even said it to Keith. And she was just like, you know, that's almost looking like Emma that, you know, her daughter's singing. I would cry too. So I see how the connection of being a mother and seeing our children just living and loving what they do. But amazing women, Shakira, uh, J-Lo, and just astonished by how successful Jennifer has become because Jennifer's mom wanted her to go to college and study law. And Jennifer always wanted to do dancing and acting. And she went against what her mom said and she did what she wanted to do and she became successful. And sometimes we tend to know what our parents want us to do may not be what we want to do. And she followed her dreams and that's why she's so successful. And that's what I admire about her. Is that like a full circle moment? Like, you know, when you have a child who says, like, what do you say to your daughter? Which says, mom, I'm going into the family business and then is on Idol and she got really far. Yeah, she was actually top 10 and I'm super proud of her. And um, she's right now recording an album and uh, we're just putting everything together. She's already had two singles out. Her third one just dropped. Her first single was Nights With You. The second single was Feel The Same. And Hypnotize is now out. It's a, it's a dance pop record. And it's actually just has a, it has a lyric video out. And um, we're in the middle of transitioning her right now and finishing up her EP so we can eventually put out the full EP. And just, you know, taking it slowly because it's a tough business and we want her to know that, you know, it's not easy just because I'm her mom. She still has to put the work in it. So what happens when she walks in for her Idol audition? Because I haven't watched Idol. I watch Paula. I love my Paula. But I haven't watched Idol in this new increase. So when she walks in, she does her thing. They're like, okay, you're, you're, you're good. You're going to go through. When, do, when does Jennifer and the other judges and Ryan Seacrest and everyone realize her mother's Brenda K. star? It's so funny because they edited the tape. When she went in there, they were like, hi, what's your name? She's like, I'm Gianna Isabella. Nice to meet you. And they were like, nice to meet you. So they were like, where do you come from? Where do you live? How old are you? Um, what made you get into music? She's like, well, my mom's Brenda K-Star. You actually know her. She used to dance with you at the same studio and Mariah Carey did background for her. So they went from, hi, I'm Gianna Isabella. You know my mom. Mariah Carey uh, used to sing background for my mom. And But they kind of edited it that way. And I was a little disappointed because they didn't get all the other good stuff. And right. I kind of trying to throw in that I was her mom and I got Mariah started and then I know J-Lo. So right away, some of the fans of Idol started thinking, oh, she's going to get special treatment. But um, it was a tough road for her because being only 15, she had to learn several songs 
work on duets, uh, work on stage presence. She was not a very like outgoing dancing type of person, loved singing, but um, long story short, she worked really hard to make it happen. She was on X Factor at 13 and she was top 40 girls. And um, after Simon ended up having that whole blow up about having a baby with his friend's wife, they canceled the boot camp. So they went differently that year. So she ended up getting dropped from, from uh, X Factor. But then a year later went out for Idol and made it to top 10. But um, I told her, I love those shows. And I think it's really important for her to have tried that just because it gives her a chance to grow a fan base. It also teaches her about how important it is to learn music and be prepared. Like she has a gig tomorrow. And as we mentioned, we were doing this interview. I would have did it in my office where the studio is. She's downstairs rehearsing for a gig tomorrow. And um, I came up to the gym to, to do the interview with you because I just wanted silence and I really wanted to concentrate on this interview and be able to give you my whole self 100%. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. When oh, you... Uh, they can come and use the gym. No, that's fine. It's okay. When... When she was on Idol and X Factor, were you out there? Like, were you out there and they were like hanging well, out I had, in LA? I had to be with her because um, she's a minor. So you had to have a guardian with you. So I ended up um, staying with her for the whole time and, um, you know, just helping her out. So I helped her most with like her styling until like closer to top 10, they started styling her. And that's when she got a little like, you know, kind of excited. She wanted to dye the hair. She went from the young girl with a really pretty party dress into like a nice sexy jumper with the blonde hair. And I'm like, where'd my baby go? But uh, with that being said, she had, um, she, she learned a lot from it. She learned that this business deals with, not a lot of sleep, a lot of concentrating on making sure that you learn the lyrics, you learn the melody. You can't go out there with kind of saying, um, I'll just wing it. If you go out there, you have to give 150%. And I helped her a lot because I knew the business. So I think it kind of was beneficial for her. So for me, it was awesome. And um, I was with her every step of the way. And even when she got booted off, she was actually super happy. She wanted to go home. She wanted to be with her friends. She wanted to go skateboarding. She just wanted to be a normal kid again. She's like, I love music, mom, but honestly, I'm, I'm okay that I got kicked off. Harry um, Chronic was like, he was just like, oh my God, Gianna, I just want you to know that you sound amazing. You have a bright future. Don't be upset. She was like, I'm not upset. I'm going to In-N-Out Burger. So I ended up taking her to In-N-Out Burger after, after she got dropped and um, booted off. And uh, we yeah, in and out Burger, and uh, we just enjoyed the rest of the trip and then came home and, you know, started getting a bunch of interviews, and, you know, she's been working ever since. Did you get to, like, interact with any of the judges? Like, you know, you get called backstage by a J-Lo since you're, you have this no. history. Only time I saw her was when there was on the set filming or when she was rehearsing and they were filming like portions of the judges. I would sit on the side and Jayla would be like, hey, mama. And I'd be like, hi, sweetheart. Or when we were like uh, in wardrobe, she'd see Gianna or see me. She'd be like, she's knocking them dead. She's doing her thing, girl. You know, like kind of inspired me. And I was like, oh, thank you. She was like, she's got a great voice. Tell her to keep it up. She's got something special. You know, like really nice comments and the gesture of just really stepping out of the J-Lo, you know, famous J-Lo. 
to that really cool, just homegirl from back in the day from when we hung out and just really just being open and honest and true to the person she is. Just really, really, really kind. That was the only kind of words we had in passing. But other than that, the judges were on their own side and I would only see her either in wardrobe or in passing or when Gianna was rehearsing on stage. That makes sense. Listen, it's a tough business, right? So your daughter wants to go the long haul though, ideally. I can stay in the business. I always tell her you need something to fall back on. So she went to Berkeley School of Music and she knows theory and she received a full scholarship in a summer program. She teaches voice and um, I still mentor kids in music. I opened my own record label, Star Records. And um, I, my ambition for this label and my, my future you know, goals are to sign talent and put them underneath me. And this time get you know, the credibility that I deserve and hopefully be, be able to establish having more superstars come from underneath me, including my daughter. So the thing is to, to find talent and continue to pursue uh, pushing my label and my daughter with her career. And my career as well, because my career has not ended. I mean, I'm here right now having this interview with you. I got a brand new record coming out, which is the remake of the Climax song, I Miss You, from the 80s. I did a dance version, which was produced by DJ Golmi. I also have Sir Oliver doing a dance EDM house mix. I did the ballad mix with Bernie Stevenson, who produced it. It drops on the 27th of April. And, you know, I'm just basically pushing my music, and it's going to be released on Star 418 records and it's um, distributed by universal records so i'm still doing it i have a question about that in one second about how you came back and then we could wrap up but because you just said with this new venture like right like maybe your daughter will be on it you'll discover other talent i mean you discovered mariah so you're obviously good at that but you said like and get the credit you deserve so i just have to say even though you have nothing negative against mariah and it is all just hearsay right like, do you ever wish to that point, like, you just got more public credit? Um, no, I do get the public credit. But then I have a lot of people that kind of, like, um, alter the story and say that Tommy took the tape from Jerry Greenberg, which I never gave the tape to Jerry Greenberg, and uh, or that Mariah gave Tommy the tape. You know, like, people get the story twisted, but Mariah has always, you know, justified the story as well as in her memoir and said Brenda K. Starr was the one who did it. She's the one. For me, hold on. Sorry. I'm going to tell my daughter that I get on an interview. Okay, I'm sorry. It's okay. My grandkids are coming over to spend the night with me. <laughs> we'll be done in like 10 minutes, I promise. Okay, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm talking about the recognition I deserve in terms of a record label, in terms of an artist, in terms of someone being an A&R developer. I mean, like an artist relations. Like, I mean... I think that I have a really good ear for talent and I just want to get the, the, the recognition as a label owner that I really can discover amazing talent and, and, and so that I could leave that legacy that I've discovered so many amazing musicians, artists, vocalists, and, and that's my goal. How did you come back to this new music? Let's go back to the new music. Like, how did you, was this like a conscious decision? Like, okay, I'm ready to put the Latin music aside for 10 seconds and focus on coming back in the American market? 
I mean, I still do the Latin music. I just finished the song called Quédate, which is a song that Miriam Hernandez recorded. And um, if they go to my TikTok, Brenda K. Star, they'll see me doing like acapellas. And for me, I know a lot of people say, you know, why don't you come out with the English? Why don't you come out with the English? I didn't really anticipate having such, such success with the Spanish. But as they took off so fast, I was like, oh, my God, like this is just like really going nuts all over Europe, overseas, et cetera, even in the U.S. So, so for me, I, I never left the English. I did the Spanish and did bilingual, but I took a break from the English because the Spanish got so overwhelming that I couldn't even have time to record an English album. So during COVID, um, I had just prior to COVID, I had a song called um, El Pez Muero Por La Boca, which is a song called The Fish Dies In Your Mouth. And it's about hypocrisy and people being jealous and about relationships and cheating, etc. Anyway, fast forward, that song came out, it was doing well, and then COVID hit. So all my tours got canceled. So I'm home. And I'm sitting home and I'm listening to old school songs and I hear the song, I Miss You from Climax. And I'm like, oh my God, I love this song. And I had a brother that passed away eight, nine years ago almost. And that song really resonates so much to me because it reminds me of my brother. So I said, I'm gonna sing that song in English and I'm gonna record it. My husband's like, about time you need to do an English song. I had done a couple of dance songs, a couple of small like, you know, records, nothing major, but it was playing on internet radio. Some pop stations were playing it, uh, uh, mix shows were playing it. And um, I decided to record the song and I did it. And as soon as I did it, the overwhelming response for I Miss You was like, wow, I didn't even think it was going to take off that quick so I ended up having a meeting with several labels and I ended up going with my own label and having uh, my friend Gino from 418 team up with me and we had Universal who's going to distribute it for us and um, it's going to be the first real English Brenda K star song in quite some time so I have the dance mix I have the EDM house pop mix and I also have the ballad mix that's so, exciting yeah, it really is. Are you so itching just to get back out there and tour? I am. I am. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of like not in a rush because I want it to be right, and I'm still trying to physically continue to get myself right, 100 percent with my weight, my body. I mean, I'm not 23 years old anymore. My metabolism isn't as fast as it used to be. So for us as artists, we tend to go out and have that wine and slice the pizza and then we feel it the next day like oh my god why did I eat that so for me I've been strictly working out and staying focused on my diet regimen so that when I'm ready to tour again and thank god I mean that I have this much time to prep myself I'm pretty much where I want to be and um just to come out and premiere the new I Miss You song I've been getting tons of calls to start doing concerts people are like we're opening up here 2021 I've been called I'm singing on the Carnival Cruise Line I'm doing a a, a, a uh, a dance uh, a dance cruise it's like it's a freestyle cruise i'm doing um i'm doing uh the hard rock in 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 daytona i'm doing um i'm doing uh there's a there's another club in 
Chicago. So I've been doing gigs, but everything had to be postponed. So now everything's coming back. So the calls are coming in and they're already asking, when's the new song coming out? I get DJs sending me emails and messengers about sending them the new mix. So now that it's all done, mix, mastered, videos done, everything's going to be, you know, solicited to all and every DJs and record pools, et cetera. I'm ready for live music to come back. Me too. Me too. I miss it. What about you've met every, you've met so many people through your music, through your travels, you're sitting at wedding tables with Barbara Streisand. Has, who has been like one celebrity that's just like shocked you? Like where you're like, I just, you know, you didn't expect the person to be nice. You just expected them based on the media. And they were so overly like, you're like, wow, this person is just. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I could say in English, I would probably say, I, 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 I just, I love Gloria Estefan. I just think she's such a sweetheart. And I think that she's never, ever, ever changed. She just has such a beautiful heart and very sweet and very like, always giving like um, advice, like, oh, you sound great, you know, oh, you look nice. Like we went to a Latin thing for People Magazine at, um, uh, in New York and uh, she was just so sweet and so kind, her and her husband. And I just always remember that. I just always thought that she was super sweet, but um, I, I don't know, I, I can't say. Or the I, opposite. Donnie Wahlberg's a good friend of mine. He's always been such a sweetheart. I love really? him. Great guy, nice guy. Never changed, super sweet. How is Jenny McCarthy? I never met her. Oh, really? She seems like, I think you guys would get along. What about, have you ever the opposite? And then I have two final questions and then we'll wrap up. Like where you just met someone and they're just like, you're like, honey, I'm Brenda K-Star. Don't speak to me that way. You know what's so funny? Um... I always really loved Diana Ross and she covered my father's song more today than yesterday. And I met her at a party one time and I was really young and I was like, Oh my God, Diana Ross. I was like, can I take a picture with you? She's like, I'm busy right now. I'm busy right now. Like just kind of like shutting me away when I was younger. And I was just, I told my brother, I was like, I don't like that. I really like admired her. And then after she did that, I was really hurt. And that was the only artist that I could say. And I'm sorry. Cause I don't talk bad about anyone, but she was the one that I could say that kind of really like, made me feel like, wow, that's what like a diva's really like. like How old were you? you? You were young? I think I was about 17 or 18. The, young, the young ones always get the picture, so that's shocking. Yeah, I was in shock. She still does your father's songs live, because I've seen her live. She still sings that as part of the... Yeah, I redid that song as well. It's actually a song I did on one of my albums years ago. I, I actually intend on doing it on my English show for like the casino um, route and all that. Because I Good. do the- Well, maybe the next time you meet Diana Ross, she'll be nicer to you. Hopefully. Maybe she won't even remember. Is there, so I have two things. One, I have a friend who's obsessed with you and told me to tell you, I'm reading a text now, that if you could, uh, your friend is obsessed with your song, if you could read my mind and her by heart album. Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that project? 
That was the album that I did for Epic Records. That one single came out and uh, Rick Wake produced some of the record and um, the album got shelved after I got dropped. So the album never finished, you know, displaying all of the music uh, that was recorded. So that, if you could read my mind, was a Diane Warren song. And it's sad because it was a great album, but it got dropped and shelved before we could even release two to three singles. It was one single and it was done, Tommy dropped me. But, you know, still people buy the record and people still love it, which is great. Just Those didn't, are the best ones. It just didn't get all the radio recognition it deserved. And here's my final question. Do you, who do you like or do you like anyone in like new music? Like an Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish? Like, are you tuned in to like, I mean, I'm not so great with new music, so no pressure, but. Totally. I'm like, I love Ariana Grande's voice. And I have to be honest, I just kind of, her diction is very hard for me to understand what she says when she sings. But I, believe it or not, I am a huge Demi Lovato fan. I love her music. I love, love, love her voice. And I watched her documentary and it breaks my heart because that young girl has such a voice of an angel. She honestly could stand next to Whitney with that voice. And it bothers me that she's been through so much. And I pray, and I say this honestly, that she could fight the demons to get the success and the recognition she deserves from Grammys above and beyond. And it's sad because I think she's amazing. Um, I'm a very big fan of, of Demi's and uh, I'm a huge Celine Dion, Celine Dion fan. And I've loved Celine Dion for, from the very beginning. So those are pretty much my two favorite artists. What, what is it about Ariana's diction? Just like the words all blend together? Like what is it? Yeah. It's, it's sometimes when she sings, I just feel like I can't understand everything. But then again, I'm not young like these girls that know what the songs are, you know. So sometimes I feel like I ask my daughter, what did she say? But then sometimes I wonder if it's my hearing. <laughs> no, it's not your hearing. And I agree with you about the Demi documentary. It made you have such a heart. That and like the Britney documentary made me... What do you feel about the whole Free Britney movement? I have to be honest, I didn't watch the Britney documentary. I did watch the, the, the Demi one, um, which is the series now. But I have to be honest, before I got pregnant with my first daughter, her first manager, which was um, Johnny Wright, he was my manager. But I didn't want to live in Florida, and I was young, and I was in love with my first love, and I ended up getting pregnant, and then I ended up leaving, and him and Lou Pearlman were working together, and he signed Britney. I guess Britney could have been, I could have been in that Britney vibe, but, and had the success, and once again, there was a door that was closed, but I had two beautiful little girls, and I was proud to be a mom, and wanted to be a mom, because I had been singing so young, and at 23, I didn't take the management contract, and I came back to Jersey, had my daughter and I think Britney is, is talented, but I have to be honest with you, being in the business really young is sometimes really hard for you because there's too much pressure. And I think for her, it has really uh, put her in a mind frame where that I feel she had a lot of tugging and pulling. And the same thing with Demi. Demi had a lot of issues because so many things were given to her in so many ways. She was not her own person. She felt like she was 
successful, but she was caged within herself. And that's the same thing with Mariah's situation. She was successful, but she was in a cage where she couldn't enjoy the success. So for being successful so young and losing yourself within your career, it's hard for them. So I give it to them, but I have to be honest, the voice of all voices, I feel that Demi has the number one voice out there to date. And I wish that she can, you know, fight those demons and get back on top with the new album that she has, Dancing with the Devil. And I think that, you know, she's an amazing songwriter. And I think that she has uh, Scooter Braun working with her. Her parents are behind her. And that's why I am the way I am with my daughter, because I tell my daughter, don't rush to be successful. Take it day by day. Enjoy it. Enjoy the struggle. Enjoy the drive. And learn that everything is a learning experience because everything that comes to you so soon, you won't be able to appreciate it because when you do get it, there's going to be a time in your life you're going to be like, you know, I missed out on this. I missed out on that. You know, they, they don't want you to eat. They don't want you to... It's like everything, this persona is to be the skinny person. I'm sorry. I have to be... Uh, Honest with you, Lizzo, she didn't care. Lizzo did what Lizzo wanted to do. And Lizzo became successful because she was happy in her own skin. And I tell my daughter all the time, you don't have to be 90 pounds or 120 pounds to make it in the industry. If you have a beautiful voice and you know how to talk and you know how to carry yourself. And you watch who you hang out with. You tell me who you're with, I'll tell you who you are. Just remember that you're given a gift not to take advantage of, but you're given a gift to share with the world. So take your time, let it happen when it's ready to happen. And I'll be with her by every step of the way. It's just sad that Demi's managers were like, there on top of her. They were kind of like parenting her at the same time. She still had her parents, but they kind of, I think they smothered her to the point that she lost her way and focused that I guess when she was on an altered state of mind, that's where she was her most happiest. She just wanted to get away from it all. And it's sad because with someone with such an amazing voice, I feel like, um, she is not enjoying her talent the way she wants to. And now I feel like, God willing, she may be able to have this breakthrough. And I hope so for her. Because even watching the documentary, if you didn't see it, even after being sober, she slipped up again. And, and my heart fell for her because, you know, you're here on this world and on this earth for borrowed time. It's like, don't take advantage of what, you're given as a gift. And I, I you know, I, I wish her nothing but success. But my daughter's like, you like Demi? I said, I love Demi Lovato. I think she's amazing. I love all her music. Everything that she has out, I think is amazing. I think her voice is a voice of an angel, her talent. And I, I just, I saw her at American Idol when Gianna was there. And I was the fanning mom. I was like, yeah, Demi. And then I was just looking at her. And I could see a blank stare. And I was like, she looks like sad inside. And I didn't even know what was going through. But if I had to pick uh, for today's artist, I would pick Demi Lovato. And believe it or not, I'm a huge Bruno Mars fan. I, I believe it. And you, you see similarities between... Demi's situation and Britney's? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, because they're child stars. It deals with your mental health. I have to be honest with you. Everyone in this industry, and I don't care what anybody says, has an issue with mental health. We all deal with stress, anxiety, feeling incompetent, feeling like we're not good enough, feeling like 
were as good as our last hit. Feeling like, does this person love me for who I am or for what I do? But in this business, you have to learn how to have thick skin. So the only thing you can do is try to stay positive and have your family love you. And I think for me, the most important thing for me was to have my children at the age that I had them because that's my destiny. And I have a beautiful, loving mom, brothers and sisters. And now I have my kids. And for me, if I wasn't to get a Grammy tomorrow or get an American Music Award, I've won all the prizes I need to win. I have a family that loves me, that I can come home to, that can hug and kiss me and tell me how much they appreciate me. And and th that that's so much more rewarding than a platinum gold a record, a Grammy, an American Music Award. And it's sad that Demi and Britney are kind of tools of being in the eye of the public where mentally it's just worn on them and it could really wear on you as an artist. That's why I tell people when you want to get into this business, just remember it's a business where you're pretty much like Demi said, you're dancing with the devil. She's dancing with the devil in terms of the drugs. We're dancing with the devil because everybody that comes to our, to our, uh, th that we meet and that we account ourselves with. We don't know if they love us or want to be friends with us because of the people we are or if they want to be friends with us because who we are. So for us, it's very hard to pick and choose your battles and your friends. But, you know, my heart breaks for them. But, you know, everybody has a story. And all we can do is hope the best for them. And I, you know, I really, really daily pray for Demi because I worry about her. And I like, I like her. And I told my husband, he's like, I just feel like she's so lost. And I says, you know what? It's tough being her. And I could see just like watching the documentary. Uh, her parents are amazing. Her sisters love her. And she's a beautiful family. I just think that now that she's with Scooter, I'm hoping that he can help her become positive and stay, you know, focused. But we have to remember drugs are very addictive and it's something very hard to kick for people and i praise god that i've never had to have that problem i've had issues where i've been offered cocaine in the studio yeah i've smoked my pot i don't have a problem pot is legal right now i'll go have a gummy but you know even now i don't smoke i don't i don't have edibles but i've smoked my pot i've loved to smoke my pot but i stopped because it was ruining my voice but what I'm getting at is there are people that go beyond that. And it's sad because remember, it can catch up to you to a point that you'll lose yourself. And I just hope that she can find herself before it's too late because that'll definitely be a talent lost. And more than that, I think she's not giving herself a chance to receive all the recognition she deserves. So I'm hoping that things work out for her, but she's definitely one of my favorite singers. Besides which we're lost. I was going to say, because you said Demi has like one of the best voices, like you mean ever of all time, or you mean just right now? Like you mean ever, like Barbara, Celine? No, 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 no. I mean of now, of now. I mean, Whitney was, I would say my three top favorite from all time, it would be Whitney, Barbara, and Celine. Those are my three favorite. Okay, those are my days. That's my genre. Okay, if we're talking for today's artists, young artists, She'd be my number one artist with the most incredible voice out there. And she's not given the recognition she deserves. And I think that she should have and still deserves the, 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 the Grammys, all that. I, I've, not, I've yet to see her win a Grammy. So I, I just think that, you know, 
it's never too late for her to, you know, get the recognition she deserves, but she really has to stay on top of her mental health and as well as her addiction and continue her, you know, a sobriety and, and working hard to, to connect herself and stay in a circle where people that are going to be positive and not people that are going to bring her down and, uh, you know, keep her in harm's way. And she has to, you know, this is something it's, it's like she said, it's every day. It's a, it's a battle and a struggle, but she, it still doesn't, you know, it doesn't deter my decision on who is my favorite artist of today's youth singers. That makes sense. We are going to, we'll say goodbye, but you. Three hours. I could talk to you all day. No, you know who I was going to say, you know who we have in common is Miss Karen Gravano. Oh, I know Karen. Yeah, she was at my house the other day. She, like months ago, she was somebody who originally tried to put us together. She was like, would you have, this is months and months ago. It never happens, whatever. But she was like, would you be interested in interviewing Brenda? I was like, yeah, I would. And then just, you know, life gets in the way for all of us. Like, so. Yeah, she was supposed to come over the other day with my trainer. But um, I missed her. She was in Arizona with her dad, and then she came back. And then that day, I couldn't, I couldn't hook up with them because I had a studio session. But uh, yeah, we actually are very good friends. She's a sweetheart, nice woman. Love. Another person who is just totally authentic and real. Absolutely, absolutely. I only, I only have real friends. Well, now you and I will be friends. Yes, darling. <laughs> I. I am in New Jersey at times, darling. And I'm well, sure you can... when you come on over and we'll come on out on my boat, you have my number now. So text me. I will text you. Um, everyone needs to check out the new music. Yeah. So the new song is called I Miss You and it'll be on digital platforms as of April 27th. It's on Star Records 418 distributed by Universal. And um, it's produced by DJ Gomi. It's remixed by Sir Oliver. And the ballad version has been produced by uh, Bernie Stevenson. And um, just continue to follow me on official Brenda K. Star. And that's on Instagram, on Facebook. It's just Brenda K. Star. And on TikTok, it's Brenda K. Star. And thank you, David, for this interview. I'm sorry it was so long. And maybe you can make it a a, a two-section or two a double day. You know I'm, how they segment one and segment two? Honey, I do that all the time. Listen, I, you, you head down a road and you're like, I don't want to stop this person from talking because I'm interested. And trust me, the listeners will stay here for five hours if we would stay here. So <laughs> it's going to be a two-parter. But I, I really appreciate this. I will text you. You have my number. And like, thank you for taking your time. My pleasure. Let me know how everybody, um, what everybody thought of the interview and let me know how you do. I will. I'm going to let you know when it's coming out. Sounds I'll good. keep in touch. All right. I love you much. Love you much. Bless you. Be safe. You too. Bye. Adios, mi amor. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. 
We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.